Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello and thanks for joining us. My name is Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm Propel. And today we're exploring the question, what should leaders do online in you know, the much scrutinized ESG world we live in today? It's a big topic and one that boards and executives will already be feeling the pressure on. I mean, just two and a half short years ago, leaders may have been able to sit more comfortably behind official corporate statements and let others do the talking. But this enormous shift that we've seen in digital participation has brought an equal uptick in digital scrutiny, with consumers and stakeholders wanting to hear more than just the pre-planned statements from leaders. They want to see how individual words and actions online match up against the promises and rhetoric offline. And at stake for leaders is not only their reputation and trust, but their ability to influence and attract customers, staff, partners, and shareholders. So fair to say, it's worth getting it right. But fortunately for us, I'm joined on the Your Digital Reputation podcast today by Australia's Australia's leading alignment brand and communication strategist, who works with leaders to help unlock value in their organisations people and brands to drive performance. Zora Artis is the CEO of Artis Advisory, co-founder of The Alignment People, a former director of the IABC Global Executive and Asia Pacific Region Boards. Uh, That's the International Association of Business Communicators, for those not familiar, and chair of the upcoming IABC World Conference being held in June this year. Lots of acronyms, but Zora, Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you making time. Thank you, Roger. There's quite a few acronyms to get your tongue around, aren't there? (laughs) And no doubt you're incredibly busy with everything and all the plates and hats and things you got up in the air. Uh, Really appreciate you making time because this is one of those meaty topics and I'm keen to to dive straight into it. It's something that I know, you know, you and I have had many uh, conversations on in the past and we've had a lot of fun with. So I'm keen to jump in if we can go straight to it. In your view, you know, in this ESG world, if we can call it that, what should leaders be doing online? Well, whatever they choose to do online in whichever platform they're doing it, it must align with their organisation's purpose, values and the brand. Uh, A while ago, I wrote a blog post for Popular, it's it's almost a year actually, that looked at the gaps uh, between expectations, words and actions um, and societal change has really increased and expectations of business have completely have changed in the last year or more since, well, since I wrote that. So recognising that there has been a shift, as you said there before, from shareholder to stakeholder capitalism, we have, you know, institutional investors, company directors who are much more focused on purpose and prosperity, people and planet, and that's through that ESG lens. So ESG is environmental, social and governance. And it's quite, it's very much central to the sustainability of the various institutions, you know, um, various companies around the world, whether they're for for purpose, for for profit um, companies, as well as our society and our planet. Uh, I've noticed... um, that, I mean, ESG has been quite big amongst in institutional investors for more than a decade, but it's only in the last uh, number of years that it's become increasingly more important from a communications perspective and also organisations are, being, are paying much more attention to it through through um, the need for uh, focus on, ES, on ESG um, 
and ethics and also from a perspective of um, the fact that lots of stakeholders are now looking at what they're doing and assessing what they're doing. So ESG has become a measure of an organisation's ethical efforts and ethical corporate practices has become one of those top priorities, as I said, not just for investors but also employees, which is clearly really important in the age of the the great resignation or should I say the great realignment as well as consumers. Uh, I had a look at um, some data recently and there's an organisation that tracks reputation across the world called RepTrack and they found that half the global citizens believe that it's essential for corporations to provide both actions and words that support cultural issues. Uh, And this is where ESG is a really powerful indicator of trust and willingness to buy. So organisations which had a low ESG score had show that um, consumers were less likely to buy from them and, le- and they were less trusting. That sort of stuff also comes up through Edelman's Trust Barometer. But with RepTrack, in, they show that there was a downturn in the global ESG score in the last year. So in 2020, everyone was talking about it. Lots of lots of act, lots of words were going on about how things need to change, uh, and then in 2022, that's just come out in the last month or so, there has been a downturn. So it's gone from the global ESG score has gone down from 68.7 to 67.6, and that's because there's been very little action taken, and when there's not enough action taken, people take notice of that. So the level of trust drops. Um, so it's it's really important whatever anyone does in the online space, whether they're on boards or whether they're in C-suite or other tiers uh, of leadership, it's really important that they are aware of the risk of not matching um, the talk and the walk together. So there's that big risk of misalignment. So... Um, they need to make sure that they're engaging, they say and they act um, and cover the gap that, that is potentially there. So um, ESG is much, much more than a PR exercise um, and it's important to recognise that. I, I love what you're saying right at the start of that around purpose and then carrying that through into what we talk about in terms of symmetry. There's got to be consistency between what you do and or say and do offline and what you say and do online. And I think that um, the, the, the picture that you've painted, I suppose, just highlights the importance of that, the retract data too. And, and funnily enough, Oliver Friedman, who um, uh, heads things up locally here, um, talks with us on the podcast as well. So we do get that perspective around the importance of reputation today and those drivers. So it, it's good to see that, you know, you're reinforcing that message. And I suppose one of the things that I know you've talked about before is this concept of, of glass box brands. What I'm, I'm wondering if we can bring this in here as a, um, almost as a, um, a theory or a, um, a way that what you've just described is coming to life and it's a reality that many organisations are looking into today in terms of that words versus actions and then, you know, arguably expectations and consequences when they don't match up. So I'm keen for you to perhaps unpack that concept for our listeners and and maybe just to describe what is the importance then of digital and digital participation okay. within that concept. Well when you think about when you think about ESG specifically um, as well, uh, 
and the potential for an organisation to be caught out, which quite a few have been and quite a few brands have been as well, you know, through the either appearing to be woke or greenwashing or uh, whichever way you want to look at it, you know, trying to attach themselves to something for the benefit of the business when it's it's genuinely not true. Uh, the key challenges that um, an organisation and leaders of that organisation have are comms, a communication accountability. So when you have what is known as a glass box brands um, sort of environment, which is radical transparency and connectivity, you just can't afford that reputational risk of misalignment because you'll be called to account um, by employees, by investors, customers, media, regulator, community, whatever, uh, a whole range of different stakeholders, and they'll do that and they'll do it online because it's so easy. So Glassbox Brands is a term that was coined by an organisation called Trendwatch who do an amazing job in identifying trends around the world, world based on what they're seeing as innovations and if they're going to and changing expectations of consumers and they assess whether or not they're genuinely going to become trends. Uh, and this was identified by them. I remember uh, being at one of their sessions in Sydney, actually, I think it was in 2019, um, and they identified glass box brands. And I thought, well, I don't know that that's that new, but it was the way that they um, pulled it all together. So it's that confluence of connectivity and radical transparency. So you think about it, everyone can see into your organisation if they want to. So once upon a time you would have had, you know, a brand could have been a dark box. You put out what you wanted out into the, into the market. You had some level of control of what your brand was about. There is much less so now. The brand is it now everything that's visible. So, you know, um, anyone can look into your organisation if they try hard enough. They can see what the people, who the people are, what the values are, um, the process, what people within that box feel is actually going on. So if you think about all your various touch points of the brand, whether it's inside the organisation or out, the experiences people have, they all have an impact on perceptions. So that includes uh, the touch points on owned, paid, earned and borrowed channels. So clearly digital is across all of those, whether it's within the business or whether it's outside the business. So you, you can't really afford that misalignment gap. It's a risk. So you need to make sure that you're really quite prepared for um, that's, and that space. You need to recognise and accept that you're in an environment that anything um, that could potentially become an issue within the organisation um, can be seen externally. So um, as we know, most crises, uh, a lot of crises are caused by issues getting out of control within an organisation because they're not managed well um, or they're not identified early enough to prevent them being in crisis so they can get out there. And that can go out through, you know, disgruntled employees, it, you know, whistleblowers, a whole range of different things. Um, and when you're talking about ESG, if an organisation is going out there and purporting to be X, yet in reality they're Y, you'll get caught out, and it'll be a huge, it'll have a huge impact 
on, on a business. There's lots of examples of that. So, you know, being authentic to your purpose and values, as you spoke about the symmetry, um, I, I'd say alignment, you say symmetry, it's very similar, um, I think is really important. Uh, and when you're in that digital space, you need to be able to uh, show, not just talk about it. So you need to show things through your actions, show things through your behaviours that you are genuinely aligned and genuinely believe that you're doing the right thing. So I was at a, um, I was at the company directors conference early in, um, I think it was March, and uh, last year I was at the same conference. And you know, ESG is is a topic that's front of mind for company directors. Um, they're looking at risks as they're looking at opportunity, and they know how important it is to the sustainability of an organisation. So they know that they need to be able to be the ones who are um, across the various issues. They need to um, work with their CEO and the C-suite to make sure that that any issues within the organisation or outside the organisation that impacts this broader stakeholder group is brought to to their attention so they know what needs to be addressed and how it needs to be done and they need to have the confidence that the leaders in that in the organization can actually um, deliver on what they say they're going to deliver and that they will act with integrity and it's that integrity that conduct which is where the problem is that rep rep track has identified so you know it's it's that openness that transparency um the integrity, the accountability, that's where the issue is. So it's the G and the ESG. Um, that's where they're seeing that gap and that's impacting reputation. So that, I mean, that idea of radical transparency that you're describing, it is, I imagine, um, a cause of a fair bit of fear and discomfort for a lot of organisations, uh, leaders, boards, in terms of it is no longer um, good enough, it's no longer acceptable to simply think things or say things. They've got to be followed through and they've not only got to be followed through from those at the top, it's essentially, as you're describing here, it's got to flow through the organisation and it's got to be something that everyone is subscribing to uh, and everyone understands and importantly believes in order for that to come through authentically. And I love that reference to integrity because that's so true. It's almost like and this is how we talk about uh, the role of social media with leaders. You know, before, maybe a couple of decades ago, you could have got away perhaps with making statements on things that you weren't quite ready for. And I feel like social media, and if you look at it as a feed, it is almost that visible, accessible feed now of people holding you to account. They can see everything. And you talk about Glassbox brands. I mean, you look at a platform like Glassdoor. People talk about their own EVP and, and what they say and do about themselves. Well, go and look at Glassdoor and you'll see how the world perceives you. And the thing about a platform like Glassdoor is it's there for everyone to access and see. So it is no longer good enough to put up very warm and fuzzy statements about any issue You know, within that ESG spectrum. You have to follow through those words with actions and accountability. Now, I suppose building from that Zora, I imagine, though, there is a difference in terms of the responsibilities um, within an organisation, whether that's boards themselves, whether that's executives, and even perhaps through 
an organization. As we said, it's got to trickle down as well. Do you have any view on, you know, what are those differences? What does each, if we can call them internal stakeholder group, need to know and do online? In your view, what should boards be thinking about? What should executive teams be thinking about? And how can they empower their broader workforce to make sure that you are, as you're describing it, going from words through to actions with consistency and integrity? I think there is a... um... I think this is where psychological safety comes into play uh, and whether or not an organisation is is really genuine and authentic about what they say are their values and their beliefs. So, you know, there's a whole range of things that would need to be in place for that. Um, but taking a step back, if you look at the board, for example, um, the board is there really to make sure that they're identifying the the, the right sort of the, the right strategic direction um, for an organisation. So they're looking at you know they're weighing up risk and opportunity, and they're having that dialogue with the executive team. Uh, they're understanding what they they're listening and hearing what stakeholders are um, talking about what they're expecting. So, you know, internal and external stakeholders, that has to come into the into play. Um, so they're setting the tone, but they then expect the CEO and the exco to then create that leverage about aligning um, the value drivers in the business with the expectations of the stakeholders to identify what are those opportunities where you can create that social value, which is that extension of social license to operate. So the the executive and the senior leadership team are the ones who need to make sure they integrate that across the whole business to identify and deliver on the value that's expected. Um, For them to do that, they need to make sure that Um, whatever ESG principles they're looking at or whatever ESG um, goals they're looking at, that those fit with what the organisation genuinely believes in because you're not just going to say we're going to do everything, every societal issue that comes up or environmental issue that comes up. They can't just put their hand up and say, yes, we're behind that. Um, It needs to be genuine to who they are. Um, For example, um, at that conference earlier this year, uh, uh, the chair of BHP was talking about, you know, the the three key um, areas that they stand behind from an ESG perspective, and you know, D, E, and I is a really important thing. You know, cultural heritage is is important, as is environment. So you know, and climate. So they look at three key areas, and that's what they stand behind. If it's important to their stakeholder, it's important to them. And that's how they make decisions, that's how they act, that's how they deliver. And so everyone within the business knows that. So they know what's expected of them. Uh, Just yesterday I was talking to a new client and um, a global um, uh, Fortune 500 uh, company and, you know, they're talking about how important the sustainability aspect is and how everyone needs to get, get involved, how how you connect the dots across the business. How does everyone understand what what the strategy is from a sustainability perspective, for example? Um, What does that mean to their divisional unit or their team? 
and what is their role in delivering on that and why is that important? You know, people need to understand what their role is. It's the same and and how that then contributes to your purpose and to your vision. So it's that alignment piece that needs to come into play. Um, you need to make sure you've got the right processes in place from a leadership and employee communications perspective to make sure that people within the business understand what that role is. They need to understand what the story is, what are all the components of it, and buy into it and be able to share the story. So when you're giving people the licence to go onto social to tell the story because the leveraging piece is the amplification piece so it's not just the corporate brand going out there and telling a story. You amplify it through your people. You amplify it through your leaders. Um, you amplify it through your partners. Um, various experts, depends on who they are, key opinion leaders, all that sort of stuff, but it needs to be genuine and true. So you're giving them permission to share it, but they need to make sure they believe it and it's, it, they can only believe it if it's genuinely true. So the authenticity thing needs to come through. And you're going to give them, um, you know, I remember working within one organisation uh, contracting a number of years ago and it was actually um, um, a while back and they were interested in how do they use, how do they amplify their message through social and uh, one of the IABC chairs was out visiting in Australia at the time and she worked for Dell and Dell did this incredibly well. So she spoke and I took her around to the various corporates and different organisations and she spoke about how Dell implemented this approach in their business and then this company did the same sort of thing. So, you know, there were certain set standards um, of what you would be comfortable putting out there but every single individual, every single employee had you know, a training module that they had to go through about how what they talk about on social and what's acceptable. Um, and then they would give them uh, content um, and they could talk about anything that they wanted, and they did, and it worked incredibly well. Um, there is obviously a risk there, and the risk is if there is that gap. So that's why you need to make sure that there isn't the say-do gap. It needs to be genuine and that goes back to the board and the uh, C-suite conversation, that dialogue about what's, what are they going to um, do from an ESG perspective that's actually genuine and aligns with the business purpose and the business values and the brand. And would you argue that that conversation also has to happen? Not the exact same one. I appreciate there's nuance there, but that same conversation has to play out publicly too. I, I feel like for employees to feel empowered to go and do what you're describing in the example of Dell, it, there needs to be a degree of buy-in and skin in the game from leaders themselves participating, having these conversations, standing up for those same themes, not just in the safety of you know the, the, the town hall or the forum within the workplace, but also publicly oh, totally. to, to match that authenticity. Yeah. So see, you see, um, quite a few doing it, um, you know, in Australia, the ones, uh, the ones is, is probably stand out the most, uh, probably, um, say Canva, for example, uh, the three co-founders at Canva, but one in particular, um, 
Cameron Adams, the one that gets less of the publicity, I suppose. Um, he he really stands up for you know doing good, um, and for them, there's a lot to be said around the environment um, and sustainability from that perspective and climate change. And you know the fact that this organisation um, genuinely believes in, they've got, their, in, in terms of what they do, they say that there's this, it's like a dual purpose. They want to be the most valuable, one of the most valuable companies in the world and one that has the most, that does the most good. Um, so they genuinely live and breathe that. And, you know, they are genuinely one of the most valuable companies in the world from a dollar perspective. And, you know, the, the co-founders are basically giving away, I think it was 30% um, of, of the value of Canva, giving it to the Canva Foundation so they can give it to charitable causes that, that mean something to them and to, uh, to their people, um, which is quite amazing. And they talk about that. They talk about that in social. Um, you look at someone like um, Atlassian and Mike Cannon Brooks, and you know he's out there. He's very much um, he's he's very much on social, and he says what he thinks. There's you know no holds barred basically. Um, but but I mean, with both of those, they are also you know you're talking about dual. You know, there's. C-suite but also board, but genuinely you don't normally see too many um, board directors going out on social. It's normally um, CEO or other leaders within within the organisation or other employees who are doing that. I think that I think that's a good point in terms of that distinction of roles. It's it's not necessarily that everyone has to be out there banging the drum. Each person has their own role to play. Uh, what we talk about is this concept of a digital coalition. And in the case of a, of a board, it's more about understanding. You know, much like other duties and responsibilities directors have, understanding the right questions to ask and what considerations or what factors could um, uh, introduce risk into the mix. And, and in the case of digital participation a lack of participation, a lack of carry through in terms of what you're saying and doing in the boardroom out into the public environment and having those conversations publicly through social media is a risk. Because as you said right at the start, and I do love that that distinction, that gap between say and do is just not a gap you can afford to have in this day and age. So Zora, you, you, you've referenced a number of examples here, which is fantastic and I do encourage people to go and look at these we'll include them in the show notes but go and have a look at some of these organizations and their leadership teams and their broader workforce to see how they are approaching having a public dialogue around some of these real key issues that matter to them and importantly as you said matter to their stakeholders I'm just wondering is there you know what are Zora's top tips or or key pieces of advice uh, for people who are either trying to or grappling with this at the moment and trying to work out how can we take safe but purposeful steps uh, into the online environment with those issues we're passionate about how can we ensure that we have alignment between what we're saying and doing privately and what we intend to do publicly what are your key pieces of advice for people going on that journey i think it's um i think it's really important to be really clear about as I said at the beginning, you know, be clear about your your purpose uh, and your values and your brand, and you will you will notice. I've noticed regularly that there are organisations that actually aren't that clear on those, and they're fundamentals. 
um, and they genuinely need to be clear on that. I think it's important to uh, also understand how to share the story um, and, and so be better at storytelling, use story because of the emotional aspect that um, comes through and also don't be afraid to try something different. Um uh, on on social and on digital and your own your own um, own digital platforms as well, be um, mi- mix it up a bit so it's not always the same, because um, the brain becomes accustomed to um, certain types of messaging. So you need to change it up a bit. So you you trick it. So you know you need to sometimes be that pistachio amongst the vanilla, <laughs> as I like to say. Um, be comfortable creating a platform um, to be able for your people to be able to tell that and tell your stories that are true to your brand, and ensure that that brand platform is quite genuine. So your people and your actions are genuine proof points of what you're you're doing. Um, I think it's also important to make sure you're applying that ethical lens you know is this the right thing to do if someone's not watching don't just do it because you think you're going to get brownie points um of some sort do it because it's the right thing Uh, i think that's really quite an important aspect um to take into account um i would also think you were talking about people not saying something i think you need to think about what's the price of silence you know make sure that by doing by not doing something you're actually sending out a message so think about the risk of of doing that think about what your options are when you're looking at assessing a risk in how you're communicating what are the different ways because there might be different ways of doing something um I also think it's important to look at it from the perspective of whatever you're going out there and saying are you comfortable standing behind that even if other people don't agree with you? So is it how you operate within your own ecosystem in your business? Um, and is it also something that I can apply if you're a multinational, for example, or you work across a, a large national footprint, does this apply across all your footprints? So something that you say in Australia might not be this, might not be exactly right in, I don't know, somewhere else in in another part of the world. It might clash culturally. So you need to be aware of all those sorts of things and those sorts of lenses. Some very good advice there. And I feel like um, one of the points you mentioned in there, and and in fact, the picture you're painting around the types of leaders that uh, we have now and those that I think we will have in the future raises an entirely separate but fascinating conversation. I'd love to explore one time around the capability that our current crop of leaders have and, and what that you know suite of capabilities might look like in the future because all these things around storytelling, bringing people on the journey, those sorts of more visionary and um, authentic but visionary leaders I think is an important skill set that we're going to see to bring stakeholders on that journey in the future. It's not all just about performance. And you've done some really good work in that space, haven't you? Yes, <laughs> we have. And there's a lot of things that we're talking about that are very aligned, so which won't surprise you. Now, Zora, there's so much goodness in today's conversation. Thank you for your insights. What's the best way for people to reach you if they've got you know questions or encouragements about what you've shared today? Uh, they can find me on social, uh, so LinkedIn, uh, 
and Twitter are the two platforms that I'm most active on or they could find me via my website, which is artistsadvisory.com. Fantastic. And of course, we've got to give a plug to the acronym I can't say, IABC World Conference. Is there anything people should do in terms of if they're interested, how to register, when's it happening, all that sort of stuff? It's happening uh, 26 to 29 June in New York City. It will be the first time in three years that the business community has come, the business uh, communication community has come together in person on a global scale. Uh, So it is, it's, it's the leading event for our profession um, across the world. And I'm very fortunate to be uh, leading the development and reimagining what that looks like. And I'm very excited that you will be participating at that conference. So thank you very much. Um, The way people can find out more is to go to wc.iabc.com. So that's World Conference um, at iabc.com. So registrations are open. Um, You can get some amazing uh, deals. They can always reach out to me if you want a special um, conference code, which will get you a discount. And I'm happy to share that um, if anyone does want to reach out. Many reasons to reach out to you today. Zora, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure others do as well. Thanks for joining the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thank you so much, Roger. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.